before we do it, the South African GP is confirmed for 2023. South Africa. That's going to be really cool. That could be really cool. That means Mexico's probably fucked. Really? You start to run out of... And if they're going to keep Brazil and they're going to have three in the U.S., do you need... And Canada, do you need five in North America? Oh, man. I wonder what time that'll be for us. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. But we can add it to our list. Let's talk about it. I'm at places to go. But yeah. Oh, that works. <laughs> okay, I have our list. We're talking track limits, flexi floor, Schumacher, Red Bull tire, Ferrari engine, Aston Martin, McLaren, trouble. Got it. Got it? Are we good? We're ready. Okay. And welcome to That's P1, the podcast for race fans who got into this from Drive to Survive. I'm Ryan Thomas. I'm Sarah Thomas, drinking water. Not gin and tonic unless you check the Twitter. Wink, wink. We're the podcast for people who found this thing through Netflix and are interested, but don't care about crap that happened before that. (laughs) I mean, we don't not care. We just don't have the knowledge and years of experience of watching. We're not going to go off a tangent about Rubens Barrichello, whoever that is. I just don't want to like... We're not looking to alienate. Diss anybody. True. Yeah, like... I will respect what who's come before us. I just don't know about it. True. My apologies. Okay. Sorry. I do anyway. what I can to interrupt your opening spiel. You always do. But this week, we are talking about the Austrian Grand Prix. And then, uh, because we don't do edits, you also heard Sarah give me the rundown of what, el- of what else we're talking about. So you've got a preview. I thought we weren't recording. Yeah, no, I... Damn it. Yeah. Um, I am about to be in charge of the start button from now on. Because this is the second time you have screwed me with this. Is it the second? That's what she said. (laughs) Anyway, Austria. (laughs) Oh my God, okay. I'm sorry. That. Well, that was a weekend. Austria, yeah. I'll say. On a scale of 1 to 10, what do you rate it? As a race, 6.5. I give... Ooh, low. 6.5 to 7. I give points for scenery. It was beautiful. Okay. I give points for all the orange smoke. That's a great bit. Okay. We deduct points uh, because Checo and Max didn't have good races. It's- that why you didn't like the weekend no i liked the weekend because i am for sprint format oh okay that's just why you didn't like sunday race seven i'll go seven but the weekend i know a lot of people don't like the sprint race oh i like the sprint but and i think again i'm not looking to diss people who are pre drive to survive but a lot of people get hung up on pole what's pole position 
pole position should go to whoever like, wins. What does that mean anything besides they statistics? Just, yeah, it's just a stand. Doesn't matter. Like, I, yeah, I think that's something. If we watched this for a long time, we would care about. I understand. But it's give me a, more racing okay. that matters. Thank you very much. I think the racing is fun. I like the sprint. I, I'd like some tweaks. It makes it exciting. I'd like Friday to be two practices. And then quality, because I think an hour to get your setup for the entire weekend is asking a lot of teams. Yeah, but there's something kind of fun about that. Yeah. It's a little bit of, not a gamble, but just a little bit extra pressure. And can you make it or not? I don't know. I think there's something kind of fun about it. Yeah, Higher right. stakes. Within, that makes the practice actually matter, because otherwise... They don't. It matters. Di- yeah, it matters differently. Yeah, but. And it. Okay. I w- I you've convinced me. I'm com- I'm going to come over. That's that's what she said. I'm going to come over to that side because it does introduce jeopardy, and there are some teams who understand that. Ferrari avoided bringing updates the first sprint weekend in Imola because it was a sprint weekend and they weren't going to have time to correlate what they were seeing on those upgrades in the wind tunnel, which we'll talk about other teams might've thought to do that. Okay. So yeah, like the weekend, what do you think? What do you rate the race? So it's tough. As you were talking, I realized I was going to rate it like a seven, but I wonder how much of it is because you got so grumpy early watching it because of Checo. That highly impacted our watching experience, I think. It's possible I took that a little personally. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's hard for me to... <laughs> we'll, talk about, we'll talk about that in a minute, because I want to just Great. go into a diatribe about that. But Yeah. So, I would say seven. I think that's fair. It wasn't a banger. No, but it I'm like things were happening. A lot of stuff like we always say we want lots of overtakes and that's exactly what was going on. That midfield, people were changing spots so often I couldn't keep up. Yeah. Which uh, somebody I'm, just tweeted fine. us as I was stealthily running the intro that Formula 1.5 was phenomenal. When you're like, ah, it's kind of a boring race or unsatisfying race that. Yeah. And it was like, I thought it was like a salad, but. And William, was it William Tyler? I think. Yes. Emailed and said, or tweeted, tweeted and mm-hmm. said, yeah, but Formula 1.5 was madness. And yeah, sure was. Yeah. I mean, like he said, no, so many track passes and yeah. Now how odd. Which, and that's usually what we're. Running, we're complaining about. about like it was just a don't pass them in the pit yeah, lane. Yeah, it's a DRS train. Track. It's so boring, but so yeah, it was just the front of the race wasn't boring. It was just more dependent on pit stops and well, and I, I think it was pretty clear early on. This is a Ferrari race. 
and even no matter unless Checo's winning. I think it can get boring really fast when it's pretty clear who the winner is going to be. It also seemed like it was going to be Max early on, though. I mean, the sprint race, we were like, Max is going to take this. Hmm. And then the start of the race, it seemed like it was going to be Max. Well, but at that point, I was already mad because Checo had gone out. Yeah. So those laps when Max was fast don't count (laughs) for my enjoyment. You see people? You see what I deal with? By the time I was less pissed, LeClaire was at his DRS and it was over. But that aside. Okay. So what what would you like to talk about first? We all know our list, apparently, since Let's let's start with Red Bull and Ferrari. Okay. They go hand in hand. Okay. It was a good. It was a good weekend for Ferrari. They so needed it. They needed it. First well, time for Leclerc to get a win in two months. And his first win. He needed not it. Not on pole. Yeah. I think ever. He needed that win. Ferrari desperately needed the points. They didn't need the smoke from Carlos. But. And it just it seems like for Leclerc to have a good race. Signs has to have a bad one. Yeah, they can't have two together. Like, what in the world? But they, Leclerc was on it. Yeah. And he was having a good race. In the sprint weekend, or the sprint race, and you noticed this and called it out when we were watching, he last like three laps, maybe five laps, closed Max down and wasn't in jeopardy. I mean, it, it was still a max win pretty comfortably, but he closed it from maybe two and a half to three seconds to about one and a half. And like, okay. But then I thought uh, max was cruising, not really pushing. Why mess with it? Bring the car home. But then you noticed the first thing Charles did when he got out of his car was look at his tires, then go Mm -hmm. over and look at Max's. Like Inspector Seb. It was very much Inspector Which Seb. He doesn't usually do. No. And that's I think that's why it came to your mind to call that out. And then but he does the interview and is really Max once went to say, like, hey, good job, was doing that kind of thing. And LeClaire had to like move from the front and it was barely like, Hey, yeah, yeah, man, yeah. And, and then he's like, turned yeah, yeah, back yeah, to I the gotta car, go like, back. I gotta go back and look like, at these tires. Hold on. I'm I'm looking at this grain yeah. pattern. Yeah. But then he does that, and then in the interviews, he's very confident. And over the radio, he said, hey, we'll get him tomorrow. And then he sort of reiterated that in the interview, which I thought, okay, dude, ugh. unless you've got an engine mode, we don't know about what you're not supposed to do anymore. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see it. But I believe he looked and saw, oh, Okay, we were running to a program because Carlos Sainz said that he was surprised Leclerc ran to a set of times and didn't just go after Max. That we had very little deg. You had a lot mm-hmm. of tire deg. Well, this is going to be fun when we do this on longer stints. And it was. Okay. And he did a really good job of letting Max go out. I think it was a reverse of what Max had done to him a couple times. You go out, try to stay ahead. I'm going to be the tortoise to your hair. 
he did that at the very beginning of the season mm-hmm. too. But then we saw it was like Imola mm-hmm. to basically now. Max did that to him so often. Yeah. And then he just he tried once on Max and Max closed the door. The rest of the time Max just positioned himself so well. And I think he dummied Max because he just wasn't looking like he was going to pass into that turn. And at the very last second, he just racks the wheel over and goes past. And it was over. It was a clean move. And I like when it's not flashy. It's not, oh, are they going to come together? Are they going to mash a wing? It was just nice racecraft. Yeah. Okay. I don't have much to add to that besides, mm-hmm. Well, then, sorry. Carlos's engine. Carlos has some of the worst luck this season. It's so frustrating for him. Oh, and when they saw like his engine start to go out, they f- did an immediate shot in the garage with his cousin. And I was like, oh, the other Carlos signs. Oh, yeah, because his cousin just had his head down on the cabinet. You could see he was so frustrated and saying words probably that I don't know in Spanish. But we know the meaning. Mm-hmm. But that was frustrating. And it's also terrifying. So frightening to see him not. He was like getting out of the car slowly and the car kept going backwards and it was on fire and. Ah. It was tough. I saw a, a marshal, not at that station, but the station before. So about 100 meters in front of that corner post on Reddit talking about, hey, that picture you've got of him. Okay, that's a great photo, but we were yelling at that guy to get out of the way. Out of what guy? The, there's a, a picture of Carlos out of the car and kind of walking forward sort of looking back at the car and the car's on fire. It's an awesome shot. Mm-hmm. And they, the steward or the marshal was saying, we were yelling at that photographer to get out of the way so we could do our work. And talking, he's talking about the chucks, chocks, the, the wooden pyramid things that you try to put oh, under a yeah. wheel. It seems like they're the same size as last year. But the tires are a lot bigger and so the cars are a lot heavier. And I was glad they cut away because I thought that Marshall was going to lose an arm when it started to roll over that yeah. wedge. Yeah, they need some different wedges. But that, it was crazy to see. We haven't seen something that spectacular and not be worried about someone dying in a while. Grosjean's was worse. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Mick has had some... But the Phoenix. Schumacher has had some insane <laughs> crashes this season. And the cool... The thing so, I liked about Carlos is it wasn't a crash. You instantly knew, okay, he's fine. You know? Yeah. Get out of the car, get out of the car, get out of the car. Yeah, he took a little too long to get out of the car for my comfort, because I was like, the fire's coming for you. Get out. But good for... Good for them for figuring it out, because at some point, he literally just has to get out. Mm-hmm. But if they don't have that stopped... Yeah, it's it just, just rolls, uh, rolls a backwards onto the track. Rolls on back oh into a breaking zone. And yeah. F1's luck, it's Lance Stroll who's up next who can't break well to save his life. Oh. <laughs> so that, that sucked. That sucked for him. I it, but 
I was glad it wasn't his fault. It wasn't anything he could have done or not done. It was just a car thing, so you can't use it as a way to criticize him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it does just continue to show that Ferrari has issues. Yeah. And what I have heard people talk about in disparate points. And so I could be drawing something together that is not true. Would not be the first time on this podcast. But the engines freeze in September. September 1, 2022 until the 2026 season, your engine is exactly the same. You will be locked in for four years. Except if you need to make a reliability upgrade. Ah. Now, if it just so happens that by being more reliable, you can run your, run your engine higher, you go faster. Awesome. Well, nothing we can do about that. But, so that's one point that okay. I've heard that I, sounds correct, but I don't know. And then also I've heard someone that I trust on Twitter. I can't remember who, but somebody with a blue check mark who is good, not just an idiot, say that okay. in, that Ferrari has always prided performance over reliability. Ah, so, so this is common for them. I think what I'm drawing together is they know after September and even into 23, we can fix the reliability issues, but we will not be able to really make the car go faster. Interesting. So going okay. into this season, they said, make the car go as fast as we can. We'll deal with the blowups later. I don't okay. know. Okay. I mean, that's a, it's an interesting strategy. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what they're doing, but. By doing that, they could be throwing away their best chance at a title because Mercedes is coming up, and next year it may not be a two-team race anymore. I don't, so let's talk about Mercedes then from that. Hmm. The big question talking about them coming into this week was, is Mercedes back? So after this race, is Mercedes back? I think they're not gone. I think they are still a track-dependent car. Mm-hmm. And usually a track-dependent car seems like it's about corners and okay. types of corners, and this seems to be about the road. And yeah, uh, Paul Ricard is supposed to be as flat as they need, and so I, th- I expect them to do well. I'm, yeah. spoiler alert, going to have be. them in my grid rivals. <laughs> They should be really good this next week. And if it is track yeah. dependent, like they've been saying. like. And I, I don't think they're back until they can do 80, 90% of their ideal track at a non-ideal track. Okay. If we're getting 20, 30% swings, uh, you're not really back. But the Red Bull and the Ferrari. I don't think they're out. No. I'm Ferrari. I am scared because we might have just shitted away the first or second constructors. Yeah. Because Mercedes is sort of lucky, but also just consistent. They're that guy in soccer who will never make Sports Center, 
but also but never misses always, within yeah. 10 feet. I mean, because they have so many points, both drivers and constructors, for a team who hasn't done very well when you look at the points. You're like, but how do you have so many points? I mean, they've, they've had at least one Mercedes driver has finished P5 every They've managed single. to get so many points. So, okay, they're consistent somehow. And I think now that they're getting closer to ideal, closer mm-hmm. to being back, mm-hmm. Hamilton is going to do less experimenting. Yeah. And he He's won't be on crazy ass setups. He'll be closer to what George is doing. So you're going to actually have two cars. Yeah. But this week, they should have finished two back for where they did. So fifth and sixth instead of third and fourth. Okay. Because Checo, Checo, and- Checo went out. He, we'll get to that. He had the pace. He would have passed George, at least. Uh, and then, per, uh, signs was already ahead. Yeah. So, now, they are that engine is bulletproof. They are so reliable. So it's no knock on them. I just don't think they're quite back because that's not really third and fourth. Okay. But, yeah, I would not want to be Ferrari. Counting on that constructor's money. Okay. So let's do Red Bull. Okay. Okay. What do you want to say about Red Bull? So their tire deg shocked not just me, but it seemed to shock them. Okay. They were surprised at how quick their tires fell off. And then they were shocked at how quick they were in the last stint of the race after the virtual safety car. And I think they, I think Max really would have had a chance without a couple back markers at the wrong time to get Leclerc when his throttle was stuck. And they're not really sure why. And it's another thing I like about this thing versus other American sports where they cage and hedge. Often they're like, yep, we screwed up the setup or we did this and that's why we sucked. And so when they say we're not really sure, I sort of take them at their word. So again, I'm going to yeah. draw disparate points and put them together in a sandwich. Okay. They brought little bits and bobs upgrades. They didn't have a lot of practice time because it's a sprint. And they're confused about how their car worked. I okay. believe some of the upgrades either increase the weight of their car or change some of its behavior. And because they only had 60 minutes to run a program and correlate... They just didn't have it. They couldn't do it. Couldn't figure it out. Hmm. Which, again, as I mentioned before, Ferrari avoided bringing upgrades to a previous sprint because there wasn't going to be time to get it right. And I think Red Bull, shocker, were enticed by the marketing opportunity to be even faster at their home track. Fair enough. And then Checo is an idiot. I love him. Checo made a mistake for sure. I'm equipped for a sprint weekend almost because I have two Checo shirts. I need three for sprint weekends, but I'm ready for a regular weekend. But we've seen turn four, even us Mm -hmm. just in the drive to survive era, Albon and Hamilton, um, Perez last year and Lando was sort of different, but it was, the same with mm-hmm. Perez ending up in the gravel. 
he just can't. He can't avoid it. He, he can't avoid it. He always falls to that. And he had the pace because George, after that, didn't get. He had a little front wing damage, but it wasn't that bad. Was a second off Max and Leclerc's pace. Checo would have passed him at the very least when DRS opens. And then Signs was so far off Max and Leclerc's pace that Checo would have gotten Signs, or at least been fighting with Signs. He'd have fought for a podium today. And instead, he got retired and it. He got bashed by Mac got two a, or three times. He got a lot of car damage. And it's useless mileage. Yeah. He had useless mileage in Q3 by going off track. Yeah. That he had to run his engine. And then I think they were just hoping for a red flag to back the pack mm-hmm. up and be able to fix his damage at the point where they're like, yeah, this isn't going to happen. Let's put him in. But mm, Checo, you're killing me. <laughs> okay. That was Ryan's diatribe about checking. Yep. All right. Is that all you want to say about? That's all I should say about Checo. Because I really do really like him. I love him. But God, I'm so dumb. Okay. So let's talk about Aston Martin and McLaren. If you're an Aston Martin or McLaren fan, I think... You are really worried. You're feeling how Ferrari fans felt last week of, oh, fuck. And regardless of today's result. Like, yeah, today wasn't great. But you also don't have anything to help you go to sleep tonight. This has been some rough weeks. But this was a really rough week for McLaren. And Aston Martin both, like. I love Seb, but the car was just not there for him this week. Nope. So many things. Like, what in the world? Yeah, I just, I don't know. And I don't know if he's truly the number one driver or if they, are they setting it up for him and what he likes and wants, or are they doing it what little stroll wants because dad owns the team. Yeah. And so a Seb in a subpar car, not even set up to fit his preferences. Hard to know. No one will ever give a straight answer. Yeah. Who knows? But they let Seb, they let Seb, it seems like they let him kind of do pretty much whatever else he wants. Mm-hmm. Cause he gets to be so outspoken about all the other issues that he likes to talk about. When Ferrari were kind of like, hey, do you really have to try to save the planet? Yeah. And they're like, sure. Like, they understand that that just is all good PR for Aston Martin. But I don't know how that plays into the car stuff. I don't know. But it was rough. And this was a really rough weekend for McLaren, for Lando even. Yeah. Neither of them had a great weekend. It just, it was not looking great. Car didn't perform well. Yeah. It didn't look like either driver was ever comfortable in the car. And then... It was weird. What bothered me a little bit more... Okay. Now we'll go the fu- to the future, bigger picture, is in the sprint race, 
Ricardo reported and sort of looked like maybe he was not lying, had more pace. And uh, he was behind Lando. They're running 13th and 14th, I think, or 11th and 12th, 12th, 13th. I mean, down there, you only get points through P8 in the sprint, so they were not getting points. And Ricardo said... I don't think I knew that. I only knew that because they mentioned it with Mick. Um, <laughs> and Ricardo said, hey, I've got, I've got more pace, or if this is all he's got, I've got more pace. And they said, okay, we'll come back to you. And they never swapped them. And like in Baku... When I said they should have swapped them just to see what you get out of him, out of Ricardo when he may have it because you need to see, just evaluate him. Yeah. I think they should have actually run the rest of that sprint as a test. Like, okay, yeah, we'll swap and go. Let's see what you have because that will give us data for tomorrow and data for the future. And if you're not that fast, then at the end of the race, we'll swap you back and everybody keeps their finishing order and it's fine. And so they didn't even do that, which kind of makes me wonder if they're, if it kind of makes me wonder if they know they've broken up and they're just not telling anybody. Interesting. Okay. Are they just pretending to be a couple? I think, and this isn't, I haven't even seen anybody report this or tweet this. I, I just think if you're, if you're slated to pay Ricardo what you're slated to pay him, and it's massive, I don't know the numbers because I don't know their salary, but it's he's not middle range payment. Yeah. Wouldn't at any point, wouldn't you like to see what he can do and think, and that way you'd at least know, okay, maybe in certain situations he's worth keeping or even in an ideal situation, he's washed. Okay. We need to figure out what to do. I would want to know. And they're not, it doesn't even seem like they're running those experiments. What makes me think they know they don't need to know. Cause when you're not going to have him next year, you don't need yeah. to run experiments. Fair enough. I just, I, I mean, that's a conspiracy theory I could buy into. And even with Zach's nice thing that he says of, Oh, we're good. because he knows what's going to happen already. Maybe that's it. He doesn't have to speak as team principal. And I think they are good. I no, I yeah, I think they are good, but maybe that's because they've come to resolution. They've broken up already. And you talked about Ricardo's handling this so much differently than he's handled in the past. Yeah. So go listen to the Armchair Expert podcast with Dax Shepard. Um, and Monica Padman, they had Daniel on their show. It came, the episode came out, I think right after Miami, but Dax let everybody know that they recorded before Miami. And he was like, so I know things have changed since then. So some of what we talk about may seem kind of strange or weird or have different meaning, but this was before that. We didn't know. Yeah. Um, Dax and him are friends. Mm-hmm. Monica and him are friends. Like, they became pals a couple years ago when they had Ricardo first on their show. They've become friends and hung out 
together outside of podcasts and things like that. They're all friends and pals. It's a love fest when you listen to them talk. But Daniel talked about being a driver, how you have one bad race and immediately people are just pointing out everything you do wrong or that you are bad. They question your skill. They question your talent. They start to criticize everything about you. He said, but it doesn't affect him like it used to because he knows his own talent. He knows his worth. He knows everything else and he can't let one bad race like determine everything else dictate how he feels or what he is wow yeah he was like i'm a good driver i got to be f1 there's only 20 of us who are doing this so i don't have to prove anything else to you he's an he's an eight-time race winner yeah which to me that's the maturity yeah because he's aged and gone through formidable years in the drive to survive yeah. era I mean, that was, that's a big change. And if he hadn't had that growth, I don't know how this season would be affecting him. Because it's not been that great of a season. He and the car mm-hmm. have not gelled. No. He's not comfortable with it. The car's not doing like he needs it to. Like It's not much better than last year. Yeah. It's not what any of them expected. And if you're not confident in just your own skill and talent and who you are, it's wrecking you. But he's like, hmm. And. I don't know. And we've seen he has other projects. Yeah. He has a lot of other projects and things going on. He has a Hulu show. He has a Hulu show coming up. He has a clothing line. That apparently is a big deal. I don't know. But. The Hulu show is the thing that got my attention because he's. Yeah. It doesn't sound like he's just money. It sounds like he's actually involved. And if Formula One continues to grow, there's going to be an appetite for Formula One content. And I, I could see him being like, ah, yeah, we can we can do a show and then I'll do this other show. And there are other ways now that I've proven myself to myself. Mm-hmm. There are other ways for me to make a lot of money and have a lot of fun in life. Yeah. And he loves racing, but he loves racing and driving anything with wheels that goes mm-hmm. fast. It's not just so now that one. he's done the top, I think he'd be like, I did that. I proved I could. Now I'm going to go half. He has other loves. Yeah. And so here's my comparison. Okay. He's Tony Romo. <laughs> okay, I need some. He didn't explanation he, on that. I don't. So he isn't as good as maybe his biggest fans would say. Okay. Fell off pretty quick after some early um, heights. Okay. And has maybe seen. Yeah, I can walk away to greener pastures not in the sport. There are some people who can't walk away. They have to get carted off. Yeah. And there are some people who 
are just fine to leave because Tony could have left the Cowboys and gone to another team. And he was, you know, he's not a top five quarterback at that point, but there are teams who would have taken him and given him big money. But yeah. he knew, yeah, he I, I can go be, I can go call game. CBS had circled around him. All right, I'll go make good money. I like to do other things. He loves to golf. I, it's not a perfect correlation, but that it's similar in I've done everything I need to do. And I don't care what you guys think. Okay. That's an interesting And Daniel Cardo's analogy. Car number is I don't know. Three. And what is Tony, three squared? I was like Tony Romo's number was not three. Well, what's three squared? Nine. And that's Tony Romo's jersey number. Is that three squared? Because it's three times three. Yeah. Sorry. It's been a while. Um, okay. How many teams has Ricardo been on in Drive to Survive? Three. Oh. We don't count Toros. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. So y'all let us know what you think about that theory. Um. Okay. Aston Martin's in big trouble. Yeah. They need to figure. They need to get rid of Little Stroll. But they won't. They won't, though. So, if you're a fan of that team, just enjoy. And they're paying a lot of money for Seb. Just enjoy being back there. Because until he's gone, you've got two drivers. And the importance there is two drivers who can give you feedback and drive the team forward. Seb is having to do everything. That's one of the reasons I think Williams is so behind is all they had was George. Yeah. And that's why other teams can move farther faster is they have two drivers who are giving them, you know, it's different feedback because it's different drivers, but you're getting two reliable, good, viable sources of feedback. You don't have that. Okay. Who's next? Uh, Schumacher. We got to talk about Mick. Oh, Mick. That, this was awesome. Like, like I haven't been a Schumacher fanboy, kind of liked him, for him but oh, I was really happy for him to be able to show he could his skill and his talent. That it was exciting. The sprint he, that was the highlight of the sprint race for yeah. me was him and Hamilton. That was really good, all clean. Mm-hmm. It's clean and it showed his racecraft. Yeah, and it give him a better car. Maybe he can do better. Hmm. Or just let or let him develop here, but yeah, and then actually develop him, which you won't get at Haas. <laughs> nope, uh, they'll throw you out of the boat. Literally, the one they're trying to sell for Aldi. Um, yeah, I, and I thought it was really interesting that he then came right back. We have a note. One of our kids is under the door. Putting a note under. <laughs> So, the, you know, when we talk about ways to contact the show, <laughs> it's Twitter, email, and slipping a note under the door of our studio. Um, right, but Mick on, took that sprint race, which was his best finish ever, P8, 
think it's PA. It was, it was high. He scored. It was PA because he was the last one to score points. And then didn't just decide, okay, I've done it. I've had a great weekend. I've shown the haters that I can do what I need. And then goes into Sunday and races really well. And it's not easy to do, especially in his mental state with lots of people talking about him, news swirling. Is he washed? Does he deserve to be there? Is he just a surname? And is it, is it just the Schumacher name that's keeping him in the sport? And so the first time you get points, great. Week after that, you get your first points. You go in the sprint race and you get points again in sort of a difficult situation and against more difficult competition. It'd be easy to say, okay, I got points last week. I got points again this week. I showed it's not a fluke and not back that up the very next day. But then that's what he does. He goes right in on Sunday. I agree. And is right in it. And he just did so well. What did I agree to? That Schumacher's great. Okay. I agree. Sorry. It's okay. All right. So what's next? Uh, Track limits. <laughs> well, I think that's something big that come came from this week. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. So many. There were 43 track limit warnings given on Sunday. On Sunday alone? 43. Dang. That may not be exactly. Well, but but in the it 40s. Said, it said this weekend, so maybe it wasn't just Sunday, but. Still. Yeah. Gosh, that's, that's a lot. That's a lot. They were really, really strict this which this weekend, which would, I get because a rule is a rule. I'm a rule follower, but I think it's hard to randomly decide you're going to stick so strictly to the rules when weekend when you haven't been. And then when the drivers don't know if they're following the rule or not, that needs to be adjusted. Yeah, and I, I, I haven't, I haven't looked into this, so I'm even less informed than I am on everything else. But I don't know if, if something changed. But it, I at least don't recall all of this happening, like you said earlier in the season. But I also never heard anything about hey, they're going to be hard asses about track limits this week. Yeah. So I don't know, and I but. You know, we've also seen and heard drivers say, hey, we need, if you're going to police track limits, you need to police track limits. And some people have said, oh, drivers getting what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. But something you pointed out I hadn't thought of, they can't see as well this year. Yeah, so Land of Norris, after the race, gave an interview and he was saying he couldn't see. He was like, I can't see where my tire is. So I don't know until after I've gotten the warning. After every turn, it's just like a guess. Did I go over? Did I not? I don't know. I can't control it because I can't see it. Wow. Okay, that's kind of tough then. And he's not someone who usually whinges. He's not. Because my first reaction is, well, get in the simulator. 
and drive a bunch and learn what it looks like in other parts you can see mm. when you d- when you go over when yeah. you don't. But he does a lot of sim work, both the real sim <laughs> and on esports, his quadrant channel. Yeah. So you know, he's pretty frank, and uh, so I believe him. There, it it's got. There's not an easy way around it. It's just. Mm. You got the big, massive tires and those winglets on top of them. And, and we see on the onboard, you can't see crap. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. That was a big thing that people were talking about, though. And I think will be a continued topic of conversation. Because that also leads can't into wait. the stewards eat each race and different race directors. And... That's yeah, you know, that's horrible. The drivers are saying we need to have consistency, which but, is what everybody's been saying for a while. If we just want consistency yep. and not what's going to randomly reinforce this race and not the next. I don't get why they can't just pay dudes and ladies, pay people well enough to be stewards and race director Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Not even half the year. I, I get referees because they're very visual. They take a ton of abuse and yelling. Mm-hmm. And you got to work a lot. These guys get to go to beautiful places. You work three days a week, maybe a day of prep and learning, but they're all racing people. They're in it. It's probably a lot more than a day of prep, first of all, because we don't know what all they have to do. So pay them what you need to pay them to get full-time. Yeah. They should get living way. We should have full-time race stewards and race directors. I question how much of that has to do with the contracts between each race and the local people being used. Versus bringing in a crew of a hundred people. Well, I know that's so. I know marshals are sometimes local. Yeah, but your stewards and your race people. I don't. I'm just like, I don't know how much is that needs to be, or more localized. If there needs to be teams, I, I don't know. Regardless, you shouldn't. It's something the FIA needs to fix to figure out. You have a you don't have the same struggle other sports leagues do where you have sixteen or twenty games going on, so you need so many people. Yeah, you can't have all the best to work twenty games. You have one game. Yeah. In a sport with this much money. Like talk to Seb and Alonzo, and they would probably fund a massive part of the consistent steward fund. Like <laughs> I feel like it could be done, there's tons of money. But whatever. I don't know. I don't know. know. All right. This is where we clearly, we quickly get out of our depth because like, what do the stewards do? Yeah. And I just like. Like sit in a room. It's one of those. I'm like, I don't necessarily want to share my opinion because I don't know enough to have Mm -hmm. an opinion. It's just the, I will throw the topic out there and let's bring up some points I have to do with it. But I don't have opinion yet because. I don't. You're not like me. You don't like to make uninformed opinions. No. Which is why people frequently think I don't have an opinion. 
I do. I just won't share it unless I have. And it's often about them. No. Not really. It's about other things. But you don't share it until. I don't share it until I have. You've done research. Resources. Got some data and I points. can cite my information and. I'm a nerd like that. You're not a blowhard. Nope. All right. You wanted to talk about flexi floors. Oh, yeah. I talked about this last week, but I didn't really know what I was talking about. Shocker. They're coming out of the technical directive where, again, talking about things I don't really know. <laughs> when they looked into the porpoising thing, I started taking measurements because, like, we're going to build a metric and, you know, we're going to say two porpoises a week and you're fired or you're off the track. I don't know, whatever. And in looking at all the team setups, they realized, ooh, some teams have different setups than we thought. So they put out a technical directive, which is like a memo. It's not a new rule. It's a memo that said teams can't have different kinds of mounting at different widths or thicknesses. Mountings along the plank of the bottom of the car. The plank kind of is sort of like a skid plate almost. It runs the, the length of the car down the bottom of the middle. And there's prescribed thicknesses that it has to be at these mounting points. But, and, and how flex, you know, how much tolerance and movement it can have. But they only list two places towards the front of the car where that has to be checked. They never talk about checking it at the back. So teams, two teams, saw that and said, huh, all right, we're going to adjust this, and that'll let our car sort of sit down and stay there and not porpoise as much. Red Bull for sure is doing it. Ferrari has probably done it to a lesser extent because they had some massive porpoising issues, mm -hmm. but they may have seen what Red Bull did and copied it. And there's an, there was an article about Red Bull making uh, like a hyper car, some super expensive, super fast car that isn't street legal. And Adrian Newey, their tech guy, aerodynamicist, he's a genius. Sarah calls him old Christian because he looks like he Christian Horner in 30, 40 years. It's like a time machine. Look at it. You'll be like shocked. He's on the pit wall. Just... Watch, watch the pit wall. Old Christian and young Christian. Old one is Adrian Newey. It's crazy. But in an article about the car, because part of it is they wanted to do it. Red Bull likes to market things. But part of it was they also needed to give Adrian Newey something to do. and Because he's always oh. looking for a challenge. Okay. And so talking about it, in this article where they talk about him making this car, it talks about him looking at the regs of these new cars and thinking, man, I don't, there's just nothing to do. I don't get, I don't know what to do. And then he saw something he could exploit is all they said. And so okay. that I believe is this. He was like, ah, these regs are, man, they're really boxing us in. Oh, here's some genius I can do. So I think it's the floor. So they're coming out with a technical directive that if it becomes a rule after the Belgian Grand Prix, it won't be able to flex as much which means the cars will just sit differently. And it's at Red Bull and Ferrari, primarily the ones who are going to do it. Other teams have come out and said, yeah, we didn't even think of that. 
until we read the technical directive saying you couldn't do it. That's pretty great. <laughs> um, and I at first, or I've been thinking it was really going to harm Red Bull and Ferrari, but uh, one of the guys at the race said it's only going to cost probably a tenth, maybe a tenth and a half a lap, which isn't nothing. Yeah. But, but so does that mean that they're going to start having a lot of porpoising and issues? If that was what was helping them not have the bouncing issues that other teams had? Oh, I don't know. I didn't even think about that. All right. So let's, I think that's a, oh, that's a great question because so other teams have porpoising. Bounce up and down, killing the driver's head. I mean, yeah. you're getting micro concussions. We got to fix that. And looking at how to fix it, we realize, wait, one of the teams who isn't porpoising exploited a loophole in our rules that we didn't know about. Yeah. It's not cheating. No. It's you didn't write it correctly. That's your problem. Yeah. So they change so it. We're going to change that rule. Not yeah. only is it going to make you slower. It's now going to make your driver who wasn't bouncing bounce. Oh, that. Because then they will have just done the exact opposite purpose for what they wanted. Well, and then. If their goal was to make it safer for everybody, they just ruined it for. Which then means the you're two forcing. Who weren't getting hurt. That team, you're forcing Red Bull to spend time solving a problem they didn't create on their own. Which is explains why Christian is so up and mad about it all. Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of get it because on one hand, these guys can't be bouncing, but on the other hand, tell them to raise the right. Like, and he was saying, Hey, we don't have that problem. We solved it. Yeah. We all used a loophole guys. Just figure that like, it's all, we all read the same regs. I'm sorry. Your guys weren't yeah. as lawyerly smart. I, it sucks. I don't want guys to get micro concussions, but at the same time, I always hate when rules change mid season. I hated the pit, uh, the pit stop rule yeah. last year to slow down Red Bull's pit stops. And that's the only reason it came in. And that's just dumb. If you're going to make a big new rule, have it take effect next year. She's done. She's done here about this. Because this isn't the first time hearing about it. Yeah, we don't record every day, but this is not the that's, first day I've talked about this. That's the big thing. Like, I've heard this so many times. It's a rerun. What else is on? <laughs> I'm done. You're done. Tweet us. Tweet us if you want to hear more Flexi Floor. You just like saying Flexi Floor. I'm just excited I can say Flexi Floor after having a bourbon. I'm like showing off over here. All right. So let's talk about standings. So Max in driver's standing, we have Max at 208. Leclerc passed Perez this week. And he's now at 170 with Perez at 151. So they switched places. So 208 to 170 mm -hmm. is Leclerc and, and Max. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and then Science has 133. Russell has 128. There's five points between Russell and Science. Gosh. 
which is insane. And there's only 20 points, give or take, between Leclerc and Perez, Perez and Sainz. Man. Less than 40 points between Sainz and Leclerc. This was a hell of a like, damage limitation weekend for Red Bull to have a car they don't really recognize. Yeah. And only give away five points. Yeah. Like, or six points. I, I think it's five points. Like, that's. That's, that's phenomenal. Yeah. And Ferrari really needed the win for mm. their points. Um, All the way down at the end. Latifi is still the only one who hasn't gotten any points this season. Well, I guarantee sad. he will not go points pointsless in 2023. Yeah, because you don't think he'll be there. Yeah, it's really easy to score um, points in Formula E. Stroll and Albon are tied with only three points. And one of those is in a company that makes purportedly really awesome sports cars. <laughs> so, how many does Vettel have? Vettel has fifteen. So it's five times the number of points mm-hmm. of Stroll. Mm-hmm. But sure, like aside from the guy on the team, why wouldn't you want to take a chance on one of these young people? Yeah. All right. So constructors, Red Bull is still winning at three fifty nine. Ferrari has three oh three though. So they've cut into the lead that Red Bull has. And then Mercedes has 237. So a wider gap in the constructors race than there are in the drivers. Um, but for comparison, last week Red Bull had 328. So they didn't go up that much. And Ferrari had 265 last week. And they went up 40 points. Wow. Almost 40. So. They're climbing. Yeah. Ferrari cut into the lead for sure. So it'll be interesting. So now fantasy standings (laughs) in our grid (laughs) rivals fantasy league. Oh, no, I have to log in again. I had to do that. I have it up, so you're fine. I don't know my login. Yeah, I don't know my password. You have two weeks. Okay. Run Grid Rivals. It's like daily. It's like DFS meets F1. It's pretty cool. It's fun. Hit us up for the link. It's easy. But in first place for the season, F1 Gridiron at 4,568. Scored 885 points last week. Mando Lando, 04. In second place with 42.54. Scored 887 points last week. And in third place, Sarah Thomas with 4,218 points. Scoring 678 points last week. Man, and we're not a really rough lineup this week. We're not going to go past the podium except to say that Scott Olsen is in fourth place. With 4217 points after scoring 885 points. To reiterate, you are on the podium in third place with 4218. Scott is one point behind you yeah. for third place. That's nuts. Mm-hmm. I am elsewhere. I'm 
leaderboard. <laughs> He's an also ran. I am an all. I'm, I'm in Grid Rifles 1.5. <laughs> I'm down there, puttering around. We're looking for points. This was a really tough race because I had Checo and Norris. Uh, I, I think I had Red Bull as my instructor. <laughs> it and was not good. I think Albon was my driver. Talent driver. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, it, it was not a good. And Vettel. Mm. Vettel was my talent driver, so this was not a good week for When me. I have to add Stroll to my team, I know I'm screwed. I know. I'm like, shit, I'm out of money. I had to do a lot of rearranging because I was going to, at one point, going to end up with Latifi, and I was like, oh. Ooh, no. That ain't going to work. No. All right. Well. That's all I have. That's all we have for this race. Um, the next race weird... in two weeks. Okay. Is in the French Grand Prix. Yay, we're going to have croissants while yeah. we watch the race. Ooh, and it's good a, chocolate. It's a crazy-ass looking racetrack. Oh, fun. It's the one with all the stripes. Oh, yeah. That is kind of weird. It's weird. It looks like you're on drugs. Or what I presume it looks like. Oregano, probably. Yeah, oregano, not weed. Mm-hmm. But... We may do a is pod. that the last one before summer break, or do we have one more? After? One more after that okay. is Hungary. And then it's and then summer, summer break. break. Okay. But cool. we'll do, we may do a pod next week. I don't know. Travel. Doubtful. Shit's busy. But email us. Email the show. That's P1 podcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter at that's P1 podcast. So you can guess which one of us is tweeting. Yeah, we don't sign our <laughs> tweets, but it's pretty obvious. Or is it? I don't know. It's obvious to us, know. but I don't yeah. know. I see a tweet I didn't write. I know it's you. It may not be that obvious to everybody else. I don't know. If you want to reply with your guesses, we'll tell you if you're right. <laughs> if we can remember. <laughs> yeah. If they were done after 930, all bets are off. All right. Is that it? I think so. That's all, all right. I have. Let's check your flag. I hit that button that doesn't play the outro anymore. So she's... uh...